Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On this continuation of Monday's canceled show due to Wi-Fi connections, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. It is great to have you in uh, on this Thursday. Uh, If you are listening to the podcast or if you're watching, most likely on The Grid, by the way, Carving It Up is presented by The Grid, Uh, these two shows, Mondays and today's, are probably together. At least that's what I'm going to try and work to to make sure happens. For those of you that aren't aware, uh, toward the middle slash end of Monday's show, my Wi-Fi just totally went out. I apologize for that issue. Hopefully we won't have it again. We are able to get it fixed, and uh, hopefully it won't give us any more issues. But uh, a couple of topics I had for that show that I think are still relevant for today's show that I'll get into, one of them being Patrick Mahomes' remarkable performance against Jacksonville. And, and it's relevant because going into this week, that ankle is going to be a big, big question mark uh, for the Chiefs superstar quarterbacks and the Chiefs' chances at beating the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, which they were obviously not able to do in this very game last season. I'll talk about that. Uh, what I think is a phenomenal hire by the Carolina Panthers getting former Colts head coach Frank Wright to be the man there. I'm going to talk about that in my third segment. Uh, Steph Curry getting ejected. Uh, which I'm sure you guys know. I'm going to have some thoughts on that in just uh, a little, little later in the show. And at the end of the show, what I was going to do on Monday's show, I'm going to do now. And that is have a very special announcement. Uh, not just necessarily for this show, but uh, one that sort of ties in my personal life a little bit. Uh, I'll sort of get into that uh, later on. So we will definitely discuss that later on. I know John, John, I see him in the comments there. He is very excited for that uh, later. And uh, John, John, I know you and I talked about the Aaron Rodgers uh, Jets possibilities. I'll get into that more tomorrow. Uh, We've got some great, great topics lined up for tomorrow's show, as well as obviously conference championship game predictions. So stay tuned for that. But first, uh, starting the show with a little bit of a somber note, as I'm sure most of you are aware, today is the three-year anniversary that we lost Kobe Bryant, Gigi Bryant, and seven others in that tra- tragic helicopter crash in Calabasas on January 26th of 2020. Um, Kobe Bryant was 41. Uh, his daughter, Gianna Bryant, was, I believe, 13, if I'm not mistaken, 12, 13 years old. And uh, 
you know, I, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time recapping that day as much as I am Kobe individually. But as far as the day is concerned, uh, I remember, I mean, exactly where I was when I got the news. I was, I remember it was right before the Pro Bowl started, back when we still had the Pro Bowl. And I was scrolling through my phone, scrolling through social media mindlessly, as, you know, a typical 16 year old kid does. And I find an, a post from TMZ. That says Kobe Bryant at the time, it said among four dead in a helicopter crash. I'm like, what? Like that? The, no, stop. This is, this is, this is BS. And I figured some dope put this together because if you remember the night before LeBron James had passed Kobe Bryant on the all time NBA scoring list. He passed him to go into third all time. And, uh, and and LeBron paid tribute to Kobe that night. I think he had like number eight written on his sneakers. Kobe put an Instagram post about it. It was like really this cool moment. And it happened to be in Kobe's hometown of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania against the 76ers. And so when this comes out, it's about midday-ish uh, East Coast time, at least on that Sunday. I'm like, come on, this is ridiculous. So I go online, I Google it, and there's there's really nothing. There's no... Evidence backing this up. I'm like, oh, this is just some because you see it happen occasionally, right? You see like some somebody, some tabloid, whatever, reporting that somebody has died and it's not the case. I'm like, oh, this is just one of those. And then you start to see a few reports coming in from Los Angeles. You're like, okay, okay, this is this is more than just a a rumor. And at that point, I remember. I think I put on my social media feed, man, I need I need Kobe to post something right like right now on social media to let everybody know he's okay. And then I remember about five to ten minutes later, the tweet from Woj came in confirming the news. And we found out about 30 minutes to an hour later that his uh second daughter, Gianna, was among those in the tragic uh helicopter crash. It was not four uh, who perished, but nine. And you know, I just remember the rest of that day just being in a state of despair, shock, whatever you want to refer to it as. And just, I mean, you, you just, you, it doesn't even, it doesn't even register in your head. Kobe Bryant dead doesn't, that, that thought never even comes to your head. A, because of his age. But B, this is Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bean Bryant. One of the greatest basketball players ever, the Mamba mentality. We know who he was and, and, and still represents to this very day, even though he's been gone for three years. He's invincible. This is the same guy who in 2013 was playing with the hurt Achilles against my Golden State Warriors, ruptures his Achilles, an injury that's hard to even walk on, gets up, hits two free throws after he ruptures his Achilles. Then comes off the court. Like, that's that's Kobe. He, he's invincible. You know, if, if you would have thought, if somebody would have told you coming that day, a high-profile person is going to die today. I would have, I think your mind would have uh, thought about somebody older. Right? Just, it's it's the process of life. It's how it's supposed to work in our eyes. But that wasn't the case. And as for what, as for what Kobe Bryant stood for as a human being, I think at this point we're all very well aware of Mamba mentality, of his illustrious 20-year career, five NBA championships, a three-peat, 
in a back-to-back. Uh, he's the last person to actually be a part of a three-peat. He, along with the great Shaquille O'Neal, obviously, with those early 2000s Lakers. You think about the change from Afro Kobe to bald Kobe, from number eight Kobe to number 24 Kobe. There's all these, these different variations of him, but the mentality was still the same. The, the drive to be great was still the same, even when his career ended in 2016, which, by the way, he all he did was score 60 in his last game, including hitting the game when he shot to beat the Utah Jazz, albeit that Lakers team was one of the worst of all time, probably the, the, the worst Lakers team ever. But he gave the fans at the Staples Center one last great moment in front of the great Jack Nicholson. Snoop Dogg was there. Jay-Z was there. I mean, all, all the high-profile celebrities were in the building that night, and obviously his wife, Vanessa, was. His oldest, Natalia and Gianna, were in the uh, were in the seats as well, courtside, watching their dad ball out his final game. And in the next few years during retirement, you see the obviously Deer Basketball, which Kobe Bryant, ladies and gentlemen, won a freaking Oscar before turning 40 on his first nomination. He, for Deer Basketball, obviously he uh, worked on that short film. He wrote books was into literature. He coached Gianna's basketball team. He was involved in business. As a matter of fact, a report came out that shortly or after Kobe ended up passing, there was actually going to be a deal in place for him to leave Nike and start his own shoe brand, a la Michael Jordan. And so you see, and something else you saw from him in his personal life after he retired not that he didn't still have that same be the greatest at where, whatever you're doing in the world type of mentality. That never left. Mob mentality never left him. But you saw a side from him that we really didn't see at all. You got to remember at the time Kobe retired at age 37, he was in the NBA longer in his lifetime than he wasn't in the NBA. 20 years to 17. He was obviously drafted by the Charlotte Hornets 17, traded infamously to his childhood team, the Los Angeles Lakers. But post-retirement, you saw the side of Kobe who was so giving. And you saw almost like a, I don't even want to say a softer side of him, but just a, a very human side of him. We saw him be as, we heard the story from SportsCenter's L. Duncan, she told, and it became viral, the girl dad thing. He talked about how proud he was to be a girl dad and uh, you know business ventures, all that. We were seeing this transition into this next phase of Kobe's career. And there is no question in my mind, ladies and gentlemen, had he been able to live a full retirement, I put all my money on the table. He'd have been more successful in his second act than his first. So many aspirations, so many goals. That's who Kobe Bryant was. Who Kobe Bryant was, what the Mamba mentality was for that matter, is not reach your goal, Work your butt off, reach your goal, and you're done. You reach the goal. No, no, no. Reach this goal? Great. What's the next one? Okay, work as hard as you can in that one. Next one. That's who he was. And uh, to say that he is still missed to this day is as big of an understatement as I could possibly utter on this show. To say that the others who passed in that crash, I can say the same thing. Their families uh, still feel... Uh, the absence of 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 those loved ones in their lives to this very day. And so today, 
Certainly a, a, one that we will never forget in our lives. The outpouring of love and support only continues for Vanessa Bryant, for the families of those uh, of the others who passed. It's uh, I gotta be real with y'all. Three years later, it still don't feel real. It still does not feel real. And uh, rest in peace, Kobe, Gigi, and everybody else who perished on that terrible helicopter crash in Calabasas. And uh, the best thing that we can do is never forget the example that Kobe Bryant set and never forget the the way he went about life. Because if we attack life half as hard as Kobe Bryant did, we're going to do some pretty special things. I have no doubt about that. Rest in peace, Kobe, and everybody else who passed. Uh, yes, John, John, uh, sharing my sentiments as well. Patrick Brown, 824, 824 ever. I like how you put that with the uh, purple heart and the uh, golden heart. Patrick says the only player to have two numbers retired. His second career was going to be dominant as dominant as basketball. Long live the Black Mamba and Mamba Sita. And he also says, once we've seen MJ crying during the memorial service, we all felt that down to the core of our souls. I remember that as, as well, Patrick. 224, which was is appropriate to have that uh, memorial service at the Staples Center on the days that their numbers were. Gianna obviously wore number two, Colby, 24, in the last half of his career. And yeah, I, I remember that memorial service as well, Patrick. It was, I know Beyonce performed, Alicia Keys performed. There were so many uh, unbelievable speakers. And MJ, I mean, was... I mean, stole the show um, with the speech he gave about how Kobe was his little brother and how he was at times a bit of a nuisance, but he understood at the end of the day how it was because it was because Kobe's trying to get better. And, and and ultimately, Michael Jordan recognized this this young fella. He's just like me. He's what the reason Michael was so close to Kobe, especially later on, because he looked at Kobe. He's like, this is the only dude I've ever seen that's wired like me. This guy ain't here to make friends. This guy's here to win to be the best in the world at what he does. That That's his goal. That's his objective. And I think Michael saw that, and that's why he really grew to appreciate Kobe as time uh, went on. And you had uh, other speakers. I remember Sabrina Unescu uh, uh, spoke. I think Diana Taurasi spoke. Uh, Vanessa Bryant, uh, you can't even put into words how incredible she was that night. Shaquille O'Neal spoke. Um, I, I I know I'm forgetting somebody else. Uh, I think Jeannie Ariema spoke about Gianna in particular because she wanted to go play basketball at UConn once it was time to, for her to go play college basketball. It was a very somber afternoon without a question, but it was one where you really got to see, as you said, Patrick, the so you got to hear some stories about Kobe. I know Rob Palenka spoke. He was Kobe's agent. You got to hear some of the stories about Kobe that, you know, you never know before. You got to see how he, he truly touched people. You know, when Kobe passed, it was the only, in my lifetime, I'm, I'm 19 years old, the only parallel I can think of in my lifetime of a high-profile person passing and it having the global impact that it did. I'm talking like people that, are not in any way whatsoever associated with the Lakers, the NBA, sports. We're devastated by this. The only parallel I can think of is probably Michael Jackson back in 2009. 
That's that's the only one I can think of. But when he passed, you saw these tributes and how what he meant to people. Again, obviously, it's obviously to the Lakers, obviously to the NBA and to the basketball community, but even those outside of it, it was like, wow. Wow, this this dude really did leave his his mark on this on this planet. There's no question about it. Kobe left as as much of a legacy in 41 years of life as anybody in the history of the world has that lived to 100 years old. That's who he was. He was always he was always being great. Grady Edwards, what's up, Grady? He's in the comments. He says, "I was playing basketball after church Sunday when I was a senior in college, and I just broke down in tears. Made me so so sad." Uh, Boston LA was one of the first finals I ever watched. Uh, me and my brother loved Kobe growing up. May he rest in peace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I, I still, I still can't believe he's gone. It's it, to this day. It does not feel real. And to this day, you still see tributes. He'll never be forgotten. He'll never be forgotten. He's the, he's in my view. I'm no, I am no, Patrick Bryant says uh, Kobe Bryant was your generation's MJ. Amen to that. Amen to that. He's in terms of the of the the killer will. The at times did Kobe seem to cross the line in terms of his leadership, kind of like Michael. Sure, but ultimately his objective was the same as Michael's. Look, if I got to fend people to win, I got to fend people to win. I, I'm here to work. I'm here to get better. Are you? You know, you heard Michael in the last dance talk about, I never asked people to do what I wasn't willing to do. Kobe was the same way. So, yeah, I agree, Patrick. He was this generation's MJ. Um, but like I said, I am by no means whatsoever a Lakers fan. But in my view, with all due respect, the Lakers have had more great players than any franchise in the NBA. No question about it. With all due respect to the Celtics. But with all due respect to those great Lakers players, Kobe is the greatest Laker of all time. I personally have Kareem higher on my list. I've got him third. I've got Kobe fourth. But you got to realize Kareem played for the Bucks for a while. In terms of embodying the greatness that comes with wearing the purple and gold, with all the, a lot of people say magic, and I, I understand that. I, I understand that. And I get with your argument. My case for Kobe has always been he won five championships like magic. Magic didn't win any championships without Kareem. Kobe won two championships without Shaq. That, that's kind of been the tiebreaker for me. But like I said, in terms of embodying that, uh, wearing that uniform, doing what he did for 20 years at the Forum and then later at Staples Center, I, I, personally, nobody's higher for me in terms of Laker greats than Kobe Bean Bryant. Uh, and there's no question about that whatsoever. So may he rest in peace. May everybody else who passed on that helicopter rest in peace. And we will never, ever forget them. Three years ago. Wow. So I will do my very best to transition to the world of sports going on right now. Obviously, you've got the NBA play. I'm sorry, the NFL playoffs going on. Uh, you've got the Bengals, Chiefs facing the AFC championship game. Before I get to the before I get to the game itself, and I'll talk more Chiefs Bengals tomorrow. Uh, I, I want to talk about Kansas briefly. Kansas City's win over Jacksonville because I was I was never able to get to that uh, uh, yesterday's show or I'm sorry Monday's show. But uh, I'll tell you what was impressive about that. So the Jacksonville shoot themselves in the foot. Yes, Christian Kirk had a big drop. Uh, Trevor Lawrence threw a pick late in the fourth quarter. Uh, that Agnew kid, Jamal Agnew, who's a 
it, he might be the best return in the NFL. He, Kevontae Turpin of the Cowboys, they're kind of in a battle. Those are the best returners in the NFL. But down in the red zone, game on the line, Jamon New catches a pass, and he fumbles. So uh, Jacksonville, without a question, had self-inflicted wounds. And, but that's, listen, that comes with being a young team. That's that's more than, uh, that that's more than, to be expected. It's it's the youngest. I think it might be the youngest team in the NFL for, so for Jacksonville to get to this point, hats off to them. They had a great season. They're going to be back next year because they've got in my view, the third best quarterback in football and Trevor Lawrence. And they've got Doug Peterson, who to me is second on my ballot for coach of the year to Brian Dable. Cause he did a fantastic job. But as for Kansas city, they're playing this week in their fifth consecutive ASC championship game. They are the first team in NFL history to host five consecutive AFC championship games in their home building. It's never been done before. Not even Tom Brady and Bill Belichick did that. Uh, not even the Bradshaw, Chuck Knoll Steelers did that. The Steel Curtain on, on defense. The Niners never did it in the 80s. The Cowboys never did it in the 90s. The Patriots never did it. These Chiefs are doing that. Am I saying Kansas City's a dynasty? No, they've got one Super Bowl. Do they have the makings of one? Sure. But I think they need to get at least a couple more before we call them that. But the big story is Patrick Mahomes' ankle. So Patrick Mahomes injured his ankle in that game. It was sprained on his plant leg, his right leg. He obviously came out for a drive. Hats off to uh, to Travis Kelsey. Uh, not to Travis Kelsey. Uh, Chad Henney. Uh, he was great in that drive. 98 yards to go down the field on that drive. I mean, you see Kansas City won the game by seven. That was really the difference. So hats off. Chad Henney did his job just like he did two years ago against the Cleveland Browns when he came in relief when Mahomes was concussed. Uh, in that playoff game, similar situation here, although this time around Mahomes came back into the game. I'll tell you this. Coming into this week, I was extremely concerned about Patrick Mahomes' ankle. But I don't know if y'all are seeing this practice tape. I don't know if you're seeing some of these clips of Mahomes, you know, walking off the podium after his some of his media uh, availability sessions. Call me nuts. I don't see a limp. Certainly nowhere near. Now, obviously, he's got, I'm sure, incredible treatment from the Kansas City doctors. But I've what happened Saturday, last Saturday, dude was barely able to move. He had a jump pass here and there to Travis Kelsey, but outside of that, his mobility was incredibly restricted by that injured ankle. So now when you look at just a few days later, his, his ankle seems to be totally fine. That is huge for Kansas City. Uh that performance that he had against Jacksonville, folks, was outstanding. I mean, it, it, really the debate coming out of that one is, okay, it's not whether Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. It's, is Patrick Mahomes on one leg the best quarterback in the NFL? The only guy I put him above, put above him is Joe Burrow. That's it. I'd take a healthy Joe Burrow over a beat-up Patrick Mahomes. Everybody else, I mean, you still see the crazy arm angles. He's still doing whatever he can to make some plays with his legs. With that hurt ankle, again, I mind mind you on his plant leg, which is you know where he's able to, to generate all that all that force behind every throw. No, he he he's that dude. He's going to win a second straight MVP this year. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, I I think it's the the right selection by the NFL. I think he's clearly the MVP. With all due respect to Jalen Hurts, to Joe Burrow, to Josh Allen, uh, to Justin Jefferson. To me, I don't. I don't think it's. It's. I'm not saying it's a blowout. It's not like a unanimous MVP type situation like Lamar Jackson, but it's. It's a pretty sizable gap to me between one and two. But coming into this week, like I keep telling y'all, 
Cincinnati's defense is a whole different animal than Jacksonville's defense. Jacksonville has some players, Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, not that Josh Allen, the one that plays defense. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins, I think is his name. I hope I'm not mistaking it. They're not, they're not uh, Cincinnati. I keep telling you, I've been saying this for about a month. Cincinnati has by far the most underrated defense in the league. By far. When you talk about their front four, Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader in between in, 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 in between the tackles. You talk about linebackers, uh, Logan, not Logan Wilson. Uh, is that his name, Logan Wilson? I'm, I'm blanking. I'm bl- I think it's Logan Wilson is, is the guy's name. 55 for the for the Bengals. Uh, Mike Hilton is a remarkable player in the secondary. Like they they've got dudes that play for him. So and we know that they gave Kansas City problems last year in the AFC Championship game. We all know Kansas City goes up 24 to six. Uh, Cincinnati scores Andy Reid with, I'm sure, a, a decision he would come to regret going for a touchdown with four seconds left in the half at the five-yard line as opposed to just kicking the field goal going up 14 points. He's going for the kill shot, and it's it's boomer bust, and in that case, it was bust, and Cincinnati rode that momentum from there, and they won the game in overtime. Patrick Mahomes played a really bad second half. I'll tell you what's interesting about this time around. To me, I don't think there's a question who the better team is. It's Cincinnati. I mean, you're if nothing else, it's being reflected in Vegas. So Chiefs are at home. Fifth straight AFC championship game. They've got the MVP, who seems to be healthier now than he was on Saturday. They've got arguably the best coach in the NFL, Andy Reid. And they're a one-point favorite. So that in itself tells you Cincinnati's better than Kansas City. I don't think if this game were in Cincinnati, I think Bengals are favored by five points. I'm not even kidding. I think they're they're favored by what Buffalo was favored against them last week. Considering the fact that they haven't lost since Halloween, considering the fact that they beat a Bills team who many had going to the Super Bowl, I didn't, but many did by three scores on the road in a snowstorm. Considering the fact that Zach Taylor completely outcoached Sean McDermott, a coach who I have a a tremendous amount of respect for. If this game were played in Cincinnati, this would be, this would be a different story in terms of the line. Obviously, it's being played at Arrowhead, which some Bengals are calling Burrowhead. I think is really interesting. You know what this reminds me of just a little bit? This, you know, all those years. It'd be those Pittsburgh teams. No disrespect to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think there's one that they're one of the premier organizations in, in sports. But you know, every three, four years, Pittsburgh would field a really good team. They'd have a good defense. Their offense would be good with Big Ben. And we'd be like, hey, they're they're a threat to New England. And all those Steelers, particularly defensive players, be talking all kinds of smack, smack to Brady and the Patriots offense. And New England would not make a peep. And then they'd either waltz into Heinz Field or what it used to be called Heinz Field or at Gillette Stadium and New England would take care of business. Like Pittsburgh never beat New England in a game that meant anything. This reminds me of that. Not that Cincinnati, because Cincinnati has beaten Kansas City. As a matter of fact, in the last calendar year, 2022, they beat Kansas City not once, not twice. Three times, the trifecta. Two were in Cincinnati and won the AFC Championship game was at Arrowhead. I'll tell you something. Bengals are talking a lot, and Kansas City ain't saying nothing. The most, the biggest soundbite you've gotten out of Kansas City was Willie Gay, the, the linebacker, who uh, they they asked him uh, basically what 
what problems do, do, do the Bengals present? And he said nothing. That's all we've gotten out of Kansas City. Since that, it's a different story. Everybody this side of Joe Burrow won't keep their mouth shut. We know Eli Apple. He's always been a loudmouth. He's the Patrick Beverly of the NFL, if we're being honest. Okay, he's not that good, and yeah, he's talking more trash than anybody. Can't back it up. But you've got uh, Zach Taylor chirping a little bit. You've had some Cincinnati defensive players, again, referring to Arrowhead as Burrowhead. And meanwhile, Kansas City, who everybody wrote off before the season. They're just sitting back, not saying anything controversial. They're more focused on Patrick Mahomes' health than anything. Not... They're not making any any waves. And Sunday night will come. And you're going to see that frustration come out with Kansas City. I'm not saying I'm necessarily picking them to win. I, I still haven't really made a, a prediction for that. I'm pre predicting that game tomorrow. But I'm just saying this. I've always had a rule in the show. I'm, I'm not kidding. Since the second episode of Carving It Up, th almost three and a half years ago. I remember it was the, it was the Browns playing the Patriots. The Browns were about 500 at that point, but they had a lot of talent. And New England at that time was, I think they were undefeated, if I'm not mistaken, at that point. And Jarvis Landry, a guy who I have all the respect in the world for, I, I love Jarvis Landry. But he was talking about basically guaranteeing a win in New England. I said, okay, I don't have an issue with it if you back it up. Because this is the Lions den you're going into, okay? The, the, these are the kings of the league. And you're the Cleveland Browns. Like There's levels to this. But I, I can't say nothing if you win. And they got smoked. I remember a couple years back in the college football playoff when Ohio State played Clemson, Dabo Sweeney had some bullets aboard material for Ohio State. I said, uh-oh, that, that I, I don't know if that's the, the program I'd feel bullets aboard material to. It was Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence at that point. And Justin Fields had the best game of his college career and Ohio State absolutely Roll Clemson. So I like I said, I've had the rule in the show. If you want to talk a big game, fine. And Lord knows if there's any team that could back it up, it's Cincinnati. They've been backing it up all season. They backed it up last year in the playoffs. But you haven't won yet. And Kansas City's been here in all offseason ever since the Tyree Kill trade about how. Mahomes is going to come back down to earth, as is Andy Reid. You can't win if your only good offensive weapon is Travis Kelsey. They're like, okay, okay, okay. We, we ain't going to say nothing. We're just going to win the AFC West for the seventh straight year. All we're going to do is get the number one seed in the conference. While these other teams, y'all getting hyped up, Buffalo and Denver at the time, and Vegas within our division, and the Chargers, and the Bengals, the Ravens. And we're, we're not going to say nothing. We're going to do our job. We're going to do our thing. Now they'll get their opportunity. Now, of course, they did lose to Kansas. I'm sorry, to Cincinnati about a month ago, a couple months ago in Cincinnati. But Arrowhead, as we know, is a whole different monster. And last year... It's very, it's interesting how the dynamic has changed. Last year, it was the Bengals who were the big underdogs. Kansas City, the pressure was on them because we expected them to win. If, this, if the Bengals lost that game, we're like, hey, good run, Cincinnati. You won your division. You won two playoff games. But you happened to lose to the best quarterback coach combo. 
Uh, was, there's nothing wrong with that. That We wouldn't have criticized them for one second about that. Now I almost think the shoe is on the other foot. I'm not saying there's no pressure on Kansas City. I am saying that Bengals been talking a lot. Joe Mixon, remember Joe Mixon going to the playoffs, said we're the big dogs in the AFC? And my response is, I think you are more than capable of being just that. I need you to win a Super Bowl first. Be called the big dogs. I don't think there is necessarily a quote-unquote big dog. That was New England for two decades. It could be Kansas City. could be Cincinnati. Both those teams have the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. They've got solid rosters, although I think Cincinnati's is better. Good organizational structures, although I like, I like Kansas City's better. But they're going to be doing this for a while now. They're going to be meeting a lot in the playoffs. Like this, get, get used to this. But I feel like there'll be more blowback if Cincinnati loses than if the Chiefs lose. Because now it'll be, okay, timeout. You're better than them. You hadn't lost since Halloween. You beat them last year. When they had Tyreek Hill last year, why can't you beat them this year? By the way, Mahomes is beat up this year, unlike last year. So I'm just saying, this is a very fascinating matchup for that reason. Very, very, very fascinating. Got some... Comments here. Okay, Grady says KC will be a dynasty if they win this one. Are you talking about this year's Super Bowl, Grady, or the AFC Championship game? Because I, I don't think you could be a dynasty with one championship. Two, maybe. Like, if you want to, like, if you want to talk about, like, the Detroit Pistons back in the day, back in the late 80s, where they won back-to-back championships. I I mean, you, you could make that case. One, you can't. He said, just me or is Aaron Rodgers about to be traded to the Jets literally fall? Falling in Brett Favre's footsteps. I've been thinking the same thing in terms of the Brett Favre comparison. Where Favre retires, goes to the Jets. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's really interesting. So what's next? Minnesota? He spends a year with the Jets. Vikings move on from Kirk Cousins after he blows another playoff game. They go with an old Aaron Rodgers and he wins the MVP. I don't know. It's interesting. It's very, very interesting. Uh, Grady Edwards says, speaking of backing it up, you got any thoughts on Shannon Sharp versus the Memphis Grizzlies last week? I do, Grady. I will save that for a couple segments down the road on today's show, so please stay tuned for that because I was planning on talking about that. He says, Grizzlies talk a bunch of smacks. So annoying. I'm uh, totally with you there, and I, I will elaborate on that further without a question, but thank you for presenting that, Grady. Patrick, uh, Patrick, yeah, Patrick. I was about to call you Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Brown. That's like the, uh, I didn't mean to, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a big-time compliment, but <laughs> uh, Patrick Brown says, Joe Burrow has as many playoff wins five as my Cowboys in the last 28 years. Burrow wasn't even born yet when the Cowboys won their last Super Bowl. It's a drought that feels like it's going to continue. I'm not going to say for another 28 years. Maybe double that and say 56. I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a while. Grady Edwards says, I mean, technically, the Bengals are a bunch of big orange cats. <laughs> I think you're refer are you referring to the big dogs thing? Because that, that, that's kind of, actually, that's appropriate. So it's almost like an oxymoron, if that's what you're saying, Patrick, that Joe Mixon said. That's that's really interesting. Oh boy, Barry. Barry Grant Jr., all even podcast. He's in the comments. Could you imagine if we, he's referring to his Dallas Cowboys, had Burrow or Patrick? Shaking my head. Well, I mean, I, I could say, Barry, that every, literally every other team in the NFL outside of maybe Jacksonville could be saying that. Because I think Trevor Lawrence, I 
if you guys may not remember this, but I said on my show, I remember saying uh, uh, during the 2021 draft, I said, I think Lawrence would be the best quarterback. Lance would have the best career. Cause I said, Lance was going to the best team with the best coach with the best GM. Lance didn't pan out. It turns out it's been Brock Purdy who's panned out. So I was wrong on Lance, but I was right on the money of Trevor Lawrence. I also said that about Trevor within the first three years of his career, he'd be a top five quarterback. Well, I undersold him. It took him two <laughs> or yes, really a season and a half when you think about it. So he's not, nah, he's, he's that dude. But outside of Jacksonville, every team in the league would, would take Patrick or Burrow over, over their starter, not just Dallas. Patrick says, Cincinnati has become the uninvited guest to the playoffs. They become the NFL's version of the Detroit Pistons, minus the bad boy imagery. Nobody respects them, yet they crash the party. They have. I mean, absolutely. We, we did not see this coming. I was not a huge Burrow guy coming out of that draft. Uh, obviously, I admitted I was wrong four games into the 2021 season, so that's, I'm off the hook for that now. But... I mean, 2020, they were 4-12. and 12, or no, I'm sorry, 4-11-1, and one, I think was their record. They they were the Bengals. They were, I mean, if they got to the playoffs, like, okay, that's cute, but you're going to do what Cincinnati uh, did with uh, Andy Dalton. He gets the playoffs. Maybe you get lucky and win a division here or there if the division's down, and you'd lose the playoffs to a, a better team. No, they, they caught the NFL world by storm. I do agree with you 100% there, Patrick. Uh, Grady clarifying his last point, he said Kansas City would be a dynasty with a Super Bowl with, with two chips. You can make that case. You can absolutely make that case without a doubt. Uh, and Grady says, yeah, you can't be a dynasty with one, but if you get uh, if you get to four years in the NFL, get two, yeah, two in a four year uh, in four years in the NFL, uh, that's a dynasty to me. That's that that yeah, that's that's no joke. That's that's tough to do to win half the championships in a four year span, especially in the NFL, is. Highly impressive. So yeah, Kansas City has been as good as anybody in the last, really since Mahomes took over in terms of sustaining excellence, and they, they deserve a lot of credit for it. But I do think, you know what I love, though, about these two conference championship games? It's a perfect, both games are a perfect representation of how you win a Super Bowl. Like, well, duh, Bryson, they're in the AFC championship game. They're in the NFC championship game. Yeah, they're the four best teams left. Yeah, what analysis. No, what I'm saying is in the AFC, the conference with the two best quarterbacks, or really with all most of the great quarterbacks in the AFC, but with the two best quarterbacks in the league, both in the AFC, Mahomes and Burrow. Either you can build a Super Bowl contender with a generational talent quarterback, with a guy who... If he keeps up what he's doing now, if both guys keep doing what they're doing now, they're going to be first ballot Hall of Famers, no question. That's no questions asked. On the other side with the, the NFC, I, I love Jalen Hurts. Make no mistake about it. I'm not saying he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying he's not going to win MVPs in his future. Even Super Bowls, possibly. Uh, and I, you guys know, Brock Purdy. I've been a Brock Purdy guy since day one. Since that man took over, I said, watch out. Watch out for sturdy Brock Purdy. And you see what he's doing. But... They're not in the level of, of Burrow and, and Mahomes. They're not even close. Not even close. But how they built Super Bowl contenders is cheap quarterbacks, rookie deal, just throw money to the roster. For the Eagles, yeah, we're gonna go get AJ Brown. We're gonna go pay Lane, we're gonna pay Lane Johnson to keep him. We're gonna pay Fletcher Cox to keep him around. Right? We're gonna go get Darius Slay a few years ago. We're gonna go pay money to go get James Bradbury. We are going to do whatever it takes to make our quarterback's job as easy as possible because we know he can't carry us. Same thing in San Francisco. Although they had a 
I wouldn't say too expensive quarterback, but given the production, a hair expensive Jimmy Garoppolo, now they've got the rookie Purdy. And Jimmy G's a free agent, so that, that contract's off the books. You go pay, obviously, keep Debo Samuel when he requested a trade, if you remember this past offseason. You give George Kittle his money. You give Trent Williams his money. They're going to have to pay Brandon Ayuk this offseason. I'm sure they'll do that because he's a tremendous talent wide receiver. We're going to go trade for Christian McCaffrey because we have the cap space to do so, and it gives us a better chance to win the Super Bowl. We're going to pay Fred Warner. Uh, If Nick Bosa hasn't got paid yet, he will be. Uh, This is Dre Greenlaw as well. He's a fantastic talent linebacker. This is a Niners roster. This is an Eagles roster. This is as much talent as we've had in one game in some time. So, but these are the two ways to build Super Bowl contenders. Get a very to excellent, very good to excellent quarterback and build around him. Very good to excellent can't carry you, as we've seen all throughout this season. Generational can. Mahomes Burrow. Build around them, yes. Both teams have done that well, especially Cincinnati. But these are the two ways to do it, and I think it's it's it's, it's appropriate that we're seeing this. And what's great is that regardless of who wins these games, we're going to see in the Super Bowl. Hey, at least in twenty the twenty twenty two season, which which method works? The unbelievably talented quarterback who can carry you to the to to, uh, to a Lombardi Trophy, or an incredible roster with the inferior quarterback, but all around the, the roster is better. The players are better, and they can get it done. That's what's going to be really interesting. That's why this there there's not there. We've had conference championship games in the past where we're like crossing our fingers, like oh, please God, don't let this team get in the Super Bowl. We we can't. I like, remember Jacksonville's in that one year. It's like oh, we cannot. We almost had a Jacksonville Philadelphia Super Bowl, folks. We almost had <laughs> Nick Foles versus Blake Bortles in the Super Bowl. You, we ought to still be sending Tom Brady thank you cards to this day for staging yet another fourth quarter comeback. So then thank God we got Patriots Eagles, which ended up being a great Super Bowl. It was, it was, it was a great Super Bowl. Jacksonville Philly would have been unwatchable. People to watch because it was a Super Bowl, but it was no. Nobody wanted to see that. In this case, there's not a bad Super Bowl matchup. I saw Fox Sports ranked the four possible matchups. I think, I think they had Kansas City Niners last. That'd be a phenomenal game. Heck, they just played three years ago, and that was a great game. Like, there, there's not a bad matchup in the mix. That, that's what's great about it. Like, I don't think, I would be stunned if in the next three weeks, or the next three games, the final three games to close the season, that we see a blowout. I'm stunned. I mean, that it's reflected in Vegas. Okay, Vegas has Philadelphia as a two-and-a-half-point favor over San Francisco. So, almost to pick them because the home team gets three points. And then the Bengals are a one-point underdog on the road at Arrowhead at Kansas City. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So, I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then the Super Bowl, I have a feeling that the odds are going to be reflected as much because obviously Super Bowl is a neutral site in uh, Arizona. So home team, that's not going to be a factor. But we we've we are in some remark for some remarkable matchups this weekend, without a doubt. Uh, Grady says, I like Trevor. 
but he's either barely in my top 10 or just outside right now. I just need to see him do it another year before I go there to elite elite. That's fair. I, again, I think he's at the top. To me, tier one is Mahomes and Burrow. And at whoever's at the, in tier two, to me, Lawrence is in the top of it. But, I mean, you tell me today, for the next five years, you want Josh Allen, who's incredibly talented, or Trevor Lawrence, who the literal second he got competent coaching, and not just competent coaching, great coaching in Doug Peterson, and they put talent around him. All of a sudden, he wins the division, wins a playoff game down 27 to nothing, and competes with Kansas City. That was never at any stretch of the imagination. That was never a blowout. So Jacksonville's going places. They, I'm not saying they're going to be a contender next year, but don't be shocked if you see him in the AFC title game a year from now. Now, to a team that is definitely not in their conference championship game, but today just ensured that they're going to be going in the right direction for the next few years. And that's the Carolina Panthers. They fired, fired, hired Frank Wright today to be their new head coach. I cannot tell you how much I love this move. Because when you talk about Frank Reich, you're talking about a guy who was the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles in their Super Bowl winning year back in 2017 under Doug Peterson, who got the best out of Carson Wentz, got the best out of Nick Foles, and then each of the following four seasons he spent as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He had a different starting quarterback every single year. I'm sorry, five seasons as the Colts head coach. He started with Andrew Luck, and with Andrew Luck, had one of the better seasons of his career. And so we're like, okay, Colts made the playoffs. They've got one of the all-time talented quarterback in Andrew Luck, who's finally got an offensive line and finally has a great offensive mind to get the best out of him. And then a month before the 2019 season starts, after Andrew Luck played a great 2018 season, he retires because the, his body had just taken too much too much of a beating. He couldn't do it anymore. And so a month before the season, this isn't March. We're in the offseason. We're like, okay, this is terrible, but we can either go get a quarterback in free agency, go trade for a quarterback, or draft one. No, we got to go with Jacoby Brissett, and that's just the way it's got to be. So they go with Jacoby Brissett, and the Colts are in the playoff chase right to the last week of the season. So then they go get 40-year-old Phillip Rivers, who was just coming off of a 4-12 season, or 5-11 season. They won like four or five games, Phillip Rivers, last year with the Chargers. And they go 11-5 with 40-year-old Phillip Rivers, who retired after that season. So Phillip Rivers retires. We're like, Okay, we are back to square one. We do not have a quarterback. We are going to go get Carson Wentz, who's turnover prone, who's the ultimate, I mean, the definition of deer in the headlights as a quarterback. And as it turned out, Carson Wentz had the second best year of his career under Frank Reich. 27 touchdowns and turnovers wasn't an issue with Carson Wentz. He only had seven interceptions. And had he not gagged the last two games of the season against the Las Vegas Raiders and then infamously against the two-win at the time Jacksonville Jaguars, the Colts would have made the playoffs. And then last year, with an old Matt Ryan at quarterback, it got a little squirrely. Jim Irsay, the impulsive owner that he is, fires Frank Reich, goes with Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday wins his first 
game as an NFL interim head coach against the Vegas Raiders and doesn't win after that. They won in early November, November 13th to be exact. They did not win after a single game after that. And they're in the top five of the draft as we sit here today. So yeah, to say I love this hiring by the Carolina Panthers, love it. And the beautiful thing about it is this. Frank Reich is in a similar spot he was a couple times in Indianapolis where it's, okay, we don't have a quarterback. We've got Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker. That's not going to win a whole lot of games. It'll win you a game here or there like it did last year. I mean, heck, the Panthers, had they beaten Tampa Bay, which they had an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter, they would have been in the playoffs. They would have been in the wild card game hosting the Dallas Cowboys, not Tampa Bay. With Sam Darnold, they started Baker, then P.J. Walker, then Baker again, then back to P.J. Walker, and then Sam Darnold, and yet they were in the playoff chase, albeit in the worst division in the NFL. But speaking of that division, now the Saints are a mess. The Saints are in cap hell, and doesn't look like Dennis Allen is the answer at head coach. Andy Dalton, love him. He's one of the best low-end starters, high-end backups, as I call it, in the NFL He's, he's, not, he's not taking you anywhere near where you want to go, certainly where you were with Drew Brees. So the Saints are kind of a mess right now. And the Falcons are a train wreck. Their, their answer at quarterback right now is Desmond Ritter, which I didn't, a guy I, I really didn't love as a prospect coming out of Cincinnati. All of a sudden, you're Carolina. You're like, okay, we got some assets in the Christian McCaffrey trade and in the Robbie Anderson trade. So we're sitting here today. We've got a great defense. We've got playmakers on offense. DJ Moore at the top of that list. I love DJ Moore. He's one of the most underrated players of the league, in my opinion. Just hasn't gotten great quarterback play. He does play a dependent position, after all. Now for Carolina, it's like, oh, hang on a second. There's some notable free agent quarterbacks on the market, and even if we don't land them, we got the nice pick in the draft. We could take one. We could take one, sign a veteran, start the veteran, and if the rookie's ready to go, we play him. The Panthers are in a great spot moving forward because now they have assets from the two trades they made this past season. They go into next season, and this matters, folks, with momentum playing well in the last month, month and a half of the 2022 season. They know what they need, quarterback. Now, I'm not saying they're a quarterback away from being a contender or anything. They're not. They There's still some 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 piece they could fill in. The offensive line isn't very good, although it's gotten better. Patch up a few spots. The offensive line, hit a home run in your quarterback, whether it be the draft. Hey, Lamar Jackson's available. Tom Brady's available, although I wouldn't advise it. Or you draft one. And for the record, there's a lot of prospects of this draft I like. I really like Will Levis. Uh, I think Bryce Young, the only concern I have about Bryce is his size. And stature, that's the only thing I worry about with Bryce. And C.J. Stroud, who I love as a talent, but history tells you Ohio State quarterbacks don't do well in the NFL. But the bottom line is you've got options. And you know you've now got a guy in the building who can get the very best out of what you have at that position. He got the best out of Nick Foles, Carson Wentz twice. Think about it. Carson Wentz's two best years in the NFL, Frank Wright called plays for him. He got the best out of an old Phillip Rivers. Jacoby Brissett had his best season under him. So you bring a young guy in, you're set. 
I love this hire by the Carolina Panthers. Okay, I love it. No question about it. And I know you're I I you I I know I knew you were gonna be excited, Grady. Grady says, good hire by my Panthers. I would have preferred Steve Wilkes, but I'm okay with either candidate. I'm just glad we didn't get somebody like a Gerard Mayo or Joe Judge or someone like that. I agree with you right there, uh, Grady. He says, Reich was the second best candidate for the job, in my opinion. Dude was the Panthers' first quarterback in franchise history. I, I read that earlier. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, I'll get to your next comment in just a second, uh, Grady, about the Colts, because I, I definitely want to address that. But to your first point about the Panthers, Steve Wilkes, I think, could have worked because, again, they fired Matt Rule. It was a disaster for two and a half years with him being the head coach. But they bring in Steve Wilkes, the interim head coach. He does a great job. If Frank Reich weren't the candidate and if, what's his name? Sean, I forgot his name. Sean Payton wasn't on the market. And I don't think Sean Payton was ever interested in going to Carolina. That was never, it had felt weird for him to go to a, a former division rival being that he was the coach of the Saints. Steve Wilkes would have been my second choice. The only reason I say right is because he's been given a plethora of quarterbacks and has gotten to the playoffs multiple times. Multiple times. Uh, Barry says, Steve Wilkes saves the team and doesn't get the job. I wonder why. I know. I agree with you. And, and again, Barry, uh, most situations in Houston, I would say that. He, he, Houston kind of has a history with this kind of BS. Carolina, the only reason I say I'm fine with them not giving the job to Wilkes is because I think Frank is the, Reich is clearly the better candidate. I think Wilkes is a good coach. I think he was done. I think it's different in Arizona. I think it's a different story in Arizona. When Wilkes was hired in Arizona, was replaced by Cliff Kingsbury. I was like, really? Plus, you give Cliff Kingsbury Kyler Murray as opposed to Josh Rosen. I think it's a little bit different scenario here. Frank Reich has consistently been one of the better coaches of the league in terms of on the offensive side of the ball. He's been a bit of a quarterback whisperer, if you will. I think it works. Uh, uh, Barry says, you will never find the new Tomlin if you don't give us a chance. Now, that is where I agree. Uh, and there are other teams. Now, that Houston, I would strongly advise any any black head coach in Canada to ever even step foot in Houston. Uh, you are, It's career suicide if you do that. Who, who's the other jobs available? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm just looking down at the list here. Uh, okay, Colts. And I saw your, your comment about the Colts. Grady, I'll get you that, that in just a second. Colts, uh, that, that's, I wouldn't advise that one. Uh, Houston, heck no. Not in a million years. Um, who else? Arizona. Arizona could work. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't advise it. Um, but... I, I don't think I don't think Wilkes is the new Mike Tomlin. That's the only thing I'm saying. Like Tomlin came now, albeit Tomlin was in Pittsburgh, but Tomlin came in day one. Electricity right at the bat. He, he, he literally continued exactly what Cowher had left when Cowher retired. Uh, Grady says, kind of think the Colts will hire Jeff Saturday. Thoughts? Well, I read this morning, Grady, 
as I uh, as I uh, step foot in my first classroom at, at school today, I pull out my phone. And I saw that Schefter tweeted that the Panthers were. I'm sorry that the Colts were conducting a second interview Saturday. I was like, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> I, I'm kind of with you, Grady. It looks like they're gonna. Oh Lord, part of me. For Saturday's sake, I hope they don't do it. Cause I and that's why I was so I was careful in my criticism of Saturday as much as I was Ursay. Ursay is who I want to direct the most of the the uh vitriol at. Sa- Saturday's a good guy. Like I I I don't have a bad thing to say about that guy. Uh, but man, the this come on. You hired him off ESPN. Like it's a slap in the face of Bill Cower. By the way, just talking about Bill Cower. He said on CBS, like the next. Sunday on, on the NFL today on, on CBS, he was talking about this is a disgrace to the coaching profession. And it was. So for them to double down and make it their head coach, Patrick says Denver's head coaching spot is available as well. Okay. Yeah. De- now, Denver, I'd take Denver over any of these jobs. I'd take Denver over Arizona, Indianapolis. I get the Russell Wilson thing is a big, big issue. Big issue. Uh, but it's it's historically been a well-run franchise. They've got talent. That that was never the question for Denver this year. Not to mention their defense was great this year. So if you get a capable guy, by the way, could Steve Wilkes work in Denver? Sure, he could. You tell me Steve Wilkes wouldn't be an upgrade over Nathaniel Hackett, who, by the way, just got the Jets job. I'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. But heck yeah, I'd take Steve Wilkes over. If to me, if Steve Wilkes takes over Denver, now we're talking about a team that can maybe sneak into the playoffs. Given what he did in the short amount of time he was in Carolina, he could do that in Denver. Not win the division, because Kansas City runs that division. Everybody else is playing for second. Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos are playing for second. Because Chiefs, Mahomes and Reed are going to be running that division, you know, like they've been doing for the last close to a decade now. But, but yeah, for the, for the Panthers, organizationally where they're at right now, I don't think... That, Aside from Sean Payton, who really never wanted to go there to begin with, I don't think this could, this this could be a better hire. Uh, however, I do I would love to see Steve Wilkes get another shot. I think he's more than earned it. He was done dirty by Arizona, got his opportunity in Carolina. Safe to say, he took advantage of it. No question about it. Like I said, New Orleans is a mess, Atlanta's a mess, and Tampa Bay's about to lose Brady. So I don't know who do you want to be in that division. I'm taking Carolina. Before I get to my big announcement at the end of today's show, I did want to get to one more topic, an NBA topic. I'll get more into the LeBron scoring chase later because uh, he is getting ever so close to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. As a matter of fact, do the math. LeBron's probably going to break that record in the next four to five games. He's like, I mean, he's like 160, 170 points away, something like that. Four or five games. Given how he's played in the last month, but you know what sucks, though? I wanted so bad for LeBron to break the record at Crypto.com Arena. Should be still be Staples Center. If you look at the Lakers' schedule, they've got Boston. It's, they're, they're going on an East Coast road trip now. Boston, Brooklyn, New York, Pacers, Pelicans. LeBron can't be, break the record in, in Indianapolis or New Orleans, with all due respect to those cities. It's like I remember talking about on the show. I'll get to my Warriors topic. 
But it, now, of course, this has to do with the Warriors a little bit. When Steph was in his Ray Allen three-point record chase and the Warriors went on a road trip, and Steph was, se- I think he was seven threes away from the record. And we, we've seen Steph hit seven threes in a game how many times? I mean, he's, he's do- he does that in his sleep. But they played a game in Indiana on a Monday night. I'm like, I hope he doesn't break the record tonight. I said that because the next day, they were going to Madison Square Garden. I'm like, he can't. He cannot break it in in, in Indianapolis tonight. He, he can't. It's got. It's got to be. It's, it has to be. It's written in the stars. It's got to be at the Garden. Now, unless LeBron averages like 60 in the next three games, which you know it's, it seems pretty unlikely, but it is LeBron, so who knows? But <laughs> I hope. Listen, if he gets to like 40 points, if we go into New Orleans or into Indianapolis where they play the Indiana Pacers, if he goes in like 40 points away, I'm saying, okay, play, and then we're resting you against the Pelicans. No disrespect to the Pelicans. They're having a great season, and and New Orleans is an amazing city. If it's not at the Garden or, say, in Boston, which it's not going to be in Boston. He's 100-something points away. But if it's not at the Garden or at the Crypto.com or one of these iconic venues – it, I, I don't, I don't want to see him break the record at Smoothie King or Smoothie King Center. I, I, no, no. Part of what made Steph's moment so great is because it happened at Madison Square Garden. It cannot be. It cannot be. It cannot be in New Orleans or Indiana. I, I hope that's not the case. But, hey, we're going to find out next week. It's going to be interesting. Uh, again, before I get to this, let's see. Uh, Grady, he's referring to Tom Brady in this comment. He says, I think he should retire. But to be honest, I think everyone is being a little bit of a prisoner of the moment with the Brady loss to the Cowboys. He's still anywhere from eight to 10 as far as QBs in the league. I think people are being too short-sighted and forget what the man had to deal with this year. I personally don't see any difference in this loss to the one he suffered uh, to Tennessee on his way out of New England. Looks very similar in skill to 2019. Uh, he says, same with the Josh Allen Dak hate for me personally. Well, as far as the Josh Allen uh, Dak thing, I'll get to that. But as far as Brady, he's regressing. I I think everybody could agree with that. Brady's regressing. I I, I caught on to this when they lost to Baltimore midway through the season. I said, okay, he's we're seeing the decline. We, we have officially seen the best. He, he'll have great games here and there. But in terms of the week after week greatness each and every week, that like that was over. Do I still think he's like right? I'm like around that eight to 10 range. Sure. I mean, you tell me. You tell me your quarterback, you wouldn't take calls for Tom Brady. Most, the majority of teams in the NFL would. Obviously, obviously, Kansas City and Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Buffalo, like th- those teams are not taking calls on Tom Brady. Uh, the Jets would, the Titans would. So, but I'm with you there. As far as the Josh Allen Dak, I think that's a whole different conversation. Because Brady, the question with Brady's age. That we, that's not the question. But Dak's going to be 30 next season. Allen's going to be like, what, 27, 28. So they're around that same age group. The thing with Josh Allen and Dak, what I came to recognize this season, Allen's the better talent, but neither can carry you. They, 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 or sorry, neither can carry you to a Super Bowl. Like that's, we learned that this year. Dak's my guy. And I, I learned that. He, he, can't, he can't carry an average roster to the Super Bowl. Josh Allen can't carry a, Pretty solid roster of the Super Bowl. They're they're not as good as Burrow and Allen. They never will be as good as Burrow and Allen. Burrow, Burrow and Allen. They never will be as good as Burrow and Mahomes. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My view. They're kind of in that same group with one another, Dak and Allen. Uh, sort of that bottom tier two, top of tier three at this particular moment in time. As for my NBA topic, before I get to my big announcement that I promise you guys are going to really enjoy. So, on a regular old Wednesday in the National Basketball Association, the Golden State Warriors, the, in case people out there seem to have forgotten as of late, the defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors, my Golden State Warriors, once again, beat the Memphis Grizzlies. We've been doing that for some time now. By a final score of 122 to 120, Jordan Poole hit the game-winning layup with one second left. Uh, but the big story coming out of this one was not the Warriors-Memphis rivalry, which I say in the most emphatic air quotes of all time, because it's not a rivalry. Mem- Memphis, hasn't earned, Memphis hasn't earned the right to be a rivalry, and I'll get to the Shannon Sharp thing later, uh, Grady. But Steph Curry, my man, uh, was tossed out of the game with about a minute, 15 seconds left. Golden State's up two. Steph Curry, for those who didn't see the play, I wasn't able to get it on the show. But uh, there's a shot. I think Clay Thompson missed the shot. Uh, but he got his own rebound, followed it up, and kicked the ball out to Jordan Poole. Now, mind you, there's a minute, 15 seconds left. The shot clock reset to 14 seconds. Steph is right to Jordan Poole's left, clapping for the ball. Clapping, hey, let's give it back. Let's run some. Let's get into a set. Either I'll go one-on-one. Or we'll, we'll get a good play, get a good shot. Which they've been doing all night long. They they pretty much got whatever they wanted against Memphis, who I hear is a great defensive team. Anyways, Jordan Poole instead takes like a 30-footer. I don't know if it's 30 feet, it's 28 feet, something like that. It was, it was a deep three. And he missed it. And Steph Curry absolutely goes ballistic. He runs down the court, takes his mouthpiece out of him out, and chucks it toward the baseline uh, in the arena. Now... It did not hit anybody, didn't hit a ref, didn't hit a player, didn't hit a fan, didn't hit camera people, media, what have you. But they threw Steph out of the game for it. Um, here's my takeaway. So there, I, I hear there's some people trying to uh, compare this ejection to the 2016 finals ejection in game six when he fouled out and he threw his mouthpiece at a Cavs fan. That's a whole different ballgame to me. He threw a mouthpiece at a fan sitting courtside. That, you can't do that. This case, here's my takeaway. I'm hearing a lot of folks talk about the reaction individually. But as somebody who's a Warriors fan, as somebody who watches every second of every single game, I love watching Golden State play. There's been a building tension in terms of late game management between the Warriors and Jordan Poole. Do I think there's animosity? I don't. I don't. I love Jordan Poole. As a matter of fact, hand to God, I'm not even kidding to you. 
I just got a Jordan Poole jersey in the mail today. And I'm going to wear it loud and proud with pride this year. I can't wait to wear it. I love Jordan Poole. I was thrilled when, when, when Golden State paid him right before the season started. I'm like, great, we've got our sixth man locked in for, uh, for the long term. With that said, Jordan Poole makes some of the dumbest late game mistakes I've ever seen in my life. It is, and I hate to, th- hate to, to, to throw shade at this guy because he's been good this season. I'm not a fan of his, but he's been good this season in his role, Russell Westbrook. Jordan Poole makes Russell Westbrook decisions late in games. Now, he's obviously a better shooter than Russ. He's a better ball handler than Russ. Russ is obviously the far superior athlete and player, obviously, all time at least. But what drives me crazy about Jordan Poole, and again, I love him, but you, if you watch some of these late-game situations, He'll dribble the ball off his foot. He'll try and cross the dude up, go between the legs behind the back, spin move, and he'll fall and lose the ball. He'll get stripped. He'll dribble it off his foot out of bounds. He'll take a very ill-advised shot when there's still plenty of time left on the clock. I, As a matter of fact, I remember a game, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Portland. Portland came into Golden State earlier this year. Steph was hurt. This is after Steph had suffered a shoulder injury. So Steph's on the sideline in street clothes. Jordan Poole, like, dribbles the ball off his foot. He was trying to do too much, got too cute with the basketball, and the ball went out of bounds to Portland. Steph kept his composure, at least we thought, walked from where he was sitting to the back of the bench and slammed a chair. He grabbed a chair and just slammed it. Last week, my Warriors played the Cavs. Jordan Poole had a great night, by the way. I think he scored like 36 points. He had a great night. But he got a technical. Was, by the way, it's a deserved technical. Most technicals these days in the NBA are total BS. This one was, or wasn't. He, he, he earned the technical. And Steve Kerr goes all the way to half court and is yelling at him. Jordan, get your head in the game. And I think at this point in the season, listen, Jordan Poole's young. He's in his fourth year. He should know not to make these mistakes by this point. And I think that's going through Steph's head. What's going through Steph's head, Steve Kerr's head, Draymond's head, Clay's head. These mistakes cannot cost us playoff series. We can't lose a game in a playoff series, a crucial game, because Jordan Poole made a boneheaded mistake. If, If we lose in the last possession of the game, let's at least get the last shot. If it's Poole, if it's Steph, it's, if it's Clay, if it's somebody else, Wiggins, taking the last shot. But there's been so many scenarios this year where Jordan Poole can't even get a shot off because he's trying to do too much or he'll take a terrible, terrible shot with still plenty of time left on the clock where they can get a better look. And I think you saw that in the frustration from Steph. I had an issue with the ejection for this reason. He's not mad at the ref. He's not, if you throw it at the ref, that's the, okay, yeah, you, you get tossed for throwing crap at the ref. Matter of fact, Steph actually did get thrown out of a game in 2017, ironically against the Memphis Grizzlies, although these were the Conley Gasol Grizzlies, he threw the mouthpiece at the foot of a ref because he didn't like the call. That's an ejectable offense without a shadow of a doubt. You can't do that. In this case, he's mad at a teammate, throws it toward the, toward the baseline. It doesn't hit anybody. He's not throwing it at anybody. He's throwing it down off the court. Emotions clearly got the best of him. And he gets tossed. 
Here's what I'm saying. And this is what bothers me about the reputation thing. I think your reputation should precede you to a certain degree. I've seen Draymond do way worse and stay in the game. He will dog cuss a ref for three minutes and stay in the game. Steph throws a mouthpiece in frustration with not a ref, but his own teammate and gets tossed with a minute left in a two-point game on national television. The ref has to have more self-awareness than that. And you know me, I'm, I'm consistent as it comes. I don't criticize refs the way other people do because my mentality has always been refs make mistakes just like players make mistakes and just like coaches make bad calls. What we love about sports is it's imperfect humans playing a game, or in this case, officiating a game. So I don't bash refs, unless the call is just totally egregious, unless it's just like so obvious, it's, it's unbelievable that you missed it. Some of the, I'm not even just talking about Steph, some of the technicals being handed out in the NBA this year, a guy says one wrong word, beep, we tee him up. It, it's, it's starting to bother me. I mean, Draymond actually got tossed out of a game two years ago for yelling at James Wiseman. He was yelling at James Wiseman. I'm sure there was some choice language in there. It's Draymond. And they threw him out of the game. He's like, I wasn't yelling at you. I wasn't yelling at the ref. I wasn't yelling at the Zebras. They tossed him out. Very similar situation with Steph here. Now, props to Jordan Poole. Kid redeemed himself with the game-winning layup with a second left on a play that Draymond called, by the way, because Draymond is one of the smartest players in the NBA. But I did, I did not like that ejection whatsoever. To me, it's a whole different conversation if Steph is throwing it at somebody like he did in the 2016 finals. He's throwing it away from everybody. That I hated that ejection. Now, as for the game, listen. Memphis wants this to be a rivalry. So bad. So bad. And, uh, I hate to say it, it's never going to be a rivalry. Memphis, and this sort of carries my points. Grady brought us this up in the comments. I was going to talk about it Monday. The Wi-Fi said otherwise, so I'll talk about it a little bit today. Memphis carries themselves as if they've accomplished what Golden State has accomplished. In the John ja Morant era, and for the record, I want to make myself very clear when I say this. John Morant is a superstar. He is, without a doubt, one of the 10 best players in the NBA. He's, he's going to be dominating this league for a long time. And he has changed the culture in Memphis. With that said, with John Morant, they've won one playoff series. They have never been to a Western Conference Finals. With John Morant. And this, I'm not just going to put this on John. This group that they have. Jaron Jackson, Steven Adams, Desmond Bain. Dylan Brooks. They've won one playoff series. Golden State has won half the championships in the last eight years. You're not on this level yet. I think you will be if you keep this group together. Once Golden State is old and their time has come. Yeah. I think the Western Conference will be Memphis's to lose. But ain't that time yet. And sort of carrying into the Shannon Sharp incident last Friday night in Los Angeles. 
So I saw the video. I saw, uh, I think it was Woj. Somebody had, had retweeted it because Dave McMenamin got the video. Dave McMenamin, who's a Lakers reporter, got the video of basically Shan Sharp threatening to take on the whole Grizzlies team. T. Morant as well. T. Morant is John Morant's dad. Which, by the way, I don't have an issue with T. Morant, just the same way I don't have any issues with LeVar Ball. He, he's a passionate dad supporting his son. I, I, it, what T. Morant doesn't bother me. But as for the Grizzlies, <laughs> Shannon Sharp, as many fans do, as many people sitting courtside do, a little friendly banter, trash talk. Adam Silver made this clear two years ago. Fans can say whatever they want. If it's basketball related, once you get personal, that's a different story. Shannon Sharp, we all know, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame tight end, undisputed. He, Le LeBron James, his guy. He calls him Goat James. He wears the goat mask anytime LeBron has a big game. And LeBron scores on Dylan Brooks, who's much smaller than LeBron. Shannon Sharp yells out, "You can't guard him," or "You can't guard LeBron," yelling to Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks says. F you. Shannon Sharp returns the sentiment. And then all hell breaks loose. You've got John Morant goes over there, then T. Morant goes over there, Dylan Brooks, Steven Adams, which Steven Adams, that's the one dude in the Grizzlies. I would not, I, I would not cross Steven Adams. Uh -uh, no way. One cross Shannon Sharp, by the way. But it's just this arrogant way that they carry themselves when they've accomplished nothing. When Dylan Brooks is a bum, he's an average defensive player at best. Do you watch him? Anybody watches Memphis? Dylan Brooks ain't that good of a defender. He's solid. He's not Marcus Smart. I'm not even sure he's Patrick Beverly. He's not Clay Thompson. And we're, if we're talking about wing defenders, He's an average three-point shooter. He can't create his own shots. He's a terrible ball handler. He's, a, he's like the fifth best player on Memphis. Jaws the best. Jaron Jackson's two. Desmond Bain three. Steven Adams four. Dylan Brooks five. Bruh, you ain't that dude. And God and everybody else knows you do not want to cross Shannon Sharp. That is the last dude. The last dude. Dude's been like a freaking rock. That's the last dude you want to cross. Gee whiz. I mean, come on. This is Memphis, though. Uh, Barry says, y'all still could looking at Draymond sideways? Look, I don't excuse the, the, the punch. Uh, Barry and I agree. I remember Barry and I talked about this before. I'm not saying the Draymond punch on Jordan Poole in practice wasn't bad. It absolutely was. And Draymond has apologized profusely for three months for it. This is normal. Steve Kerr himself said he's seen this at least six or seven times in his NBA career at practice. This isn't something, oh my God, we've never seen this. We've never seen somebody slug a team in at practice. Does that make it right? Of course it doesn't. Of course it, Draymond was wrong. Draymond was wrong for hitting Jordan Poole in practice. But it's not, when you look at it now, heck, when I looked at it then, I remember talking about my show then. I'm like, this isn't as big of a deal as people are making it to be. This feels like media trying to split Golden State up. 
The reason it became a big deal is because some dope who plays, not plays for the Warriors, who works for the Warriors, probably sold it off to TMZ for a nice little check. TMZ made it public, and we saw the video. That's what, to me, was the bigger deal, was the fact that the video came out. Not that the punch happened. But yeah, there's, and I love Jordan Poole. Sums up. I'm hearing reports he's a trash talker. That doesn't bother me. That that doesn't bother me. Draymond trash talks. There's a lot of trash talkers. Heck, Clay trash talks. It, that's normal. I'm not sure what's up. Draymond punches Jordan Poole in practice. Steve Kerr yells at Jordan Poole more than he yells at anybody on the team. And Steph gets so mad at him for a late, I should say, another bad late game decision. He throws his mouthpiece and gets tossed. I didn't think he should have gotten tossed, but that's what happened. Poole's got to be smarter late in these games, man. He has got to be smarter. Uh, Patrick Brown, okay, thank you very much, Patrick. We have got some breaking news presented by Patrick Brown of the Chaotic Sports Podcast. He says, breaking news, LeBron and Giannis named 2023 NBA All-Star Captains, which that's great. I, I know it was LeBron and KD the last two, three years. And I know LeBron and Giannis were the captains in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, when that game was played in Chicago. That was the first time that we had a, I think it was the first time that we had a, a the new All-Star format to, to honor Kobe Bryant. I'll get into that in just a second, Patrick. Uh... And I'll get to your second comment as well. Barry says, Jordan Poole is not a part of the old standard culture. He thinks very highly of himself. Doesn't align you, uh, doesn't align with who you, that doesn't align with who you guys are. Talk about the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, it's, here's my thing with Jordan Poole, Barry, and to everybody watching and listening. And I heard Draymond talk about this on Stephen A. Smith's podcast last week. If you know nothing else about Jordan Poole, know this. Dude, is a worker. Dude is a gym rat. He is always in the gym working to get better. And it shows. I remember Jordan Poole came to the NBA out of Michigan, 2019-2020, his first season in the NBA. I remember watching. That was when my Warriors were 15 and 50, I think it was our record before the bubble or before COVID shut down the season. Jordan Poole sucked his rookie year. He averaged nine points on 39% shooting. So you look at from then to now, he's a totally different player. But there does seem to be this. Almost as if he he thinks he's made it. Almost as if he thinks he's made it. That I helped us win ring number four. And I love Jordan Poole. You ain't got them four rings. You got one. I'm not saying this is a know your place type of situation, but you're not the guy. You're a huge. I don't think the Golden State Warriors can win a championship without Jordan Poole playing his absolute best. I don't, because he was his absolute best in the playoffs last year, and they won the championship. You're not the guy. Steph, obviously, Steph's the best player. We all know that. Have you seen Clay this season? I think Clay's the second best player. Wiggins to me is third, and Poole and Draymond to me are tied for fourth. Poole to I'm sorry, Draymond to me. Again, I, I watch every dribble of every Warriors game. Draymond's having an excellent season. He's more aggressive offensively. Last night, he had a great stat line. He had like, I think he had a double-double with three blocks. I mean, that, that's a Draymond Green stat line. That's what he does. 
But uh, but yeah, I do. I, I I do think there's there's a lot to what you said there, Barry. Uh, Gray asks, when's it gonna be time for Pop to hang it up? He's just become a stage prop at this point. I think this is it. I think this is it for Pop. Uh, those who know, I've talked about Pop a few times in my show. I think he's a great coach. Uh, I think he's one of the been one of the great ambassadors to the NBA. Uh, he obviously, I mean, after all, he did coach a team to five championships for crying out loud. But I've always said this about Pop. What is he without Tim Duncan? It's the same question I ask about Belichick. Do I and it's and it, you say, well, Bryce, that, these are all time great players. We've seen other coaches succeed with other great players. Or with average players. Once Kawhi left San Antonio, the Spurs were never the same. They were never the same. They hung around like that seven seed in the West, and now they're one of the worst teams in the NBA in a full rebuild. He's a great coach. I think it's ludicrous to call him the greatest coach ever. Phil Jackson is to me the greatest coach ever. I mean, how many rings do you have? Nine? Come on now. Got the, I mean, two two of the five greatest players of all time, Jordan and Kobe, played their best seasons under Phil Jackson. Uh, let's see. Grady says, I'm sure y'all, quite sure y'all can get LeBron this offseason if you want, if y'all want for pool and a bunch of dudes. If this isn't the Warriors year, I'm sure you guys will get back. Uh, <laughs> Barry don't love it. Uh, and, and, and that, that's, that, that, that's funny. That, that's funny. Listen, I've, I've said this for, for two years now. I, I remember talking about this during, after the 2021 all-star game. If LeBron wants to come to Golden State, I've got his jersey waiting for him. We've got that number 20. Let's see. Okay, 23 is worn by Draymond and six has been retired. Bill Russell's number six retired. Okay, so whatever number he wants to wear. No one Draymond's relationship with LeBron He'll give up 23. He he can have whatever he wants. Because as I've said religiously on this show for two years now, if you pair LeBron James and Steph Curry up, it's the greatest duo fit-wise in NBA history. Fit-wise. Arguably the greatest passer ever. It's LeBron or Magic Johnson. John Stockton's got a case. But arguably the greatest passer who loves shooters paired with the greatest shooter ever, the greatest shooting backcourt ever with Clay. Ooh. Come on now. Come on now. Now, do I think it's going to happen? There's no way. There's no way the Lakers would trade LeBron to the, to the Warriors. No way. Next season, at least. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't welcome him with open arms. Listen, let bygones be bygones. The rivalry, Golden State, Cleveland, that's over now. It's over now. If you notice, LeBron and the Warriors have a lot of respect for each other. Steph and LeBron are cool now. So is Clay and LeBron. Draymond and LeBron are like that because they're clutch clients with Rich Paul. The rivalry is no more. LeBron, you you are more than welcome to come to Golden State. We will make sure that you are in position to win more championships and give yourself a shot to tie Michael Jordan in championships. If not, surpass him. If you, well, of course, he wouldn't He wouldn't stay three years. But if he did, he'd win three straight championships with the Warriors. You and I know that. 
Grady, did the Lakers make the postseason? Yes, I do. I, I think they make the postseason. Anthony Davis is back. LeBron is playing unbelievable. The bench seems to be finding a little bit of an identity. They just traded for Rui Hachimura, which I think was an excellent move. Uh, size, length, uh, great in the perimeter, solid. Not a great shooter, but a solid three-point shooter. He can knock down an open shot if need be, which the Lakers desperately needed. I think that's a great move. The question is, how long is Anthony Davis going to be there? How long is he going to be available? As I say, Anthony Day AD does not stand for Anthony Davis. It stands for always down. We'll see how long he lasts. Hey, heck, he, he twists his ankle last night, so we'll see. Patrick Brown, Phil Jackson has 11 championships. Yeah, that, that I was thinking it was like nine. For some reason, I thought nine. But yeah, six with the Bulls and uh, and five with the Lakers. So uh, so there you go. This is going to be interesting. So, uh, okay, so the All-Star game. Okay, so they've announced the All-Star starters. Okay, you ready for this? For those that have not seen it, in the Western Conference, LeBron James is the starter. I'm the starter. He's the captain. It's Team LeBron, who, by the way, Team LeBron has never lost an All-Star game since the new format came in in 2018. LeBron is, uh, in the words of the great poet uh, LeVar Ball, as he would say about LeBron in All-Star games, I'm undefeated. Never lost. Never lost. 5-0. and Don't expect that to... Uh, don't expect that streak to stop anytime soon. So here are the starters of the Western Conference. And we, and we know there's going to be a, a draft the night before the game. But here's the starters from the West. LeBron James, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, Zion Williamson. I love it. Listen, Zion is having, you guys know I'm a huge Zion fan. I like Zion more than Ja. I think Zion is more capable of, of, of winning a championship with his team than, than Ja is with his. I've, I've always felt that way. Uh, yeah, that's that's a heck of a group. Let's see. And out east, Eastern Conference, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the captain, and the other Eastern Conference All Star starters are Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell. Okay, wow, Joel Embiid is not an All Star starter. That is so. They've got Giannis. Wow. Wow. I feel like Owen Wilson right now. Wow. Wow. Joel Embiid is not an all-star starter. That's crazy. Man. I didn't... I, didn't, I, didn't, I took a... I was like, okay, look. And Donovan's had a great year, by the way. Cleveland's having a really good season. Hmm. Mm, I, uh, I don't know about Joel Embiid not being an all-star starter, guys. I don't I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Nope. Uh, I don't love that. Mm-mm. He gonna take this personally. <laughs> he, he, listen, if I know anything about Joel Embiid, uh, and he, he is, he is as, as great of a competitor uh, as they come, but uh, he's not gonna take too kindly to this. That's interesting. Okay, so I've been teasing it since Monday. I've been on here for an hour and a half. I've got a special announcement to make uh, after we get to this comment. Grady says MJ turned 60. Wow. MJ turned 60 during All-Star Weekend. How about that? That is, that is crazy. I cannot believe time has flown like that. Michael Jordan, 60 years old. That's weird. Uh... So I've been teasing it for a while. 
the whole special announcement thing. And I will reiterate what I've said during the tease, that it is one that will not only kind of impact the show, but kind of impact my personal life a little bit. Not a little bit, actually, a lot, because it obviously does involve sports. So, we're going to get to it. My special announcement for this show and for my personal life is... For the first time since October of 2020, I will have a favorite NFL team. I will be a fan of a singular NFL team. Now, you're like, I'm confused, Bryce. I don't follow. Well, I was a longtime Dallas Cowboys fan. From 2014 to 2020, as you guys know, I broke ties with the Cowboys because of how they screwed up the Dak Prescott contract negotiation at that time. Except for that terrible ankle injury, didn't have a long-term deal. Uh, for those of you don't, that don't know, I was a huge Dak Prescott fan pre-Cowboys at Mississippi State. I loved everything he brought to the table. So, you know, the marriage between Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, my favorite college quarterback with my favorite team, it doesn't get better than that. So they come together. I broke. I said, okay, I'll just be a Dak friend from here on out. Wherever Dak goes, we'll see. I'll be a fan. Dak's not leaving Dallas anytime soon. He's got a minimum of two more years with the Dallas Cowboys. And being a fan of whoever Dak is with, by definition, means I'm stuck rooting for the Cowboys. And ladies and gentlemen, it ain't worth it. I've been a Cowboys fan for two and a half years, but I certainly pulled from the wind without a question. So I've been thinking, like, okay, how, what? There's plenty of teams out there to choose from. How do I make this decision? Well, the decision has not been made yet. I'm putting a cutoff date around, around March, April ish, draft free agency, that type of deal to choose my new favorite team. Um, but I will make that selection of the next month. If, you know, if, if you're a fan of one of these teams that I'm about to mention, uh, feel free. I'm trying to get this last graphic up uh, of, the, of the last team that I'm putting on my list here. Hang on. Okay. Yeah, I'm having, tr- I'm try- having trouble getting this last graphic on here, the last team I want to pull for, uh, or the last uh, possible team that I'd want to pull for uh, in my sports and NFL watching life. Uh, okay, I can't pull it up for some reason. Hang on. Hang on. Trying to get it. Hurry up. Come on. Okay, there it is. There it is. Okay. All right, so. Hang on. It's having some issues. All right, so. I've got, yeah, I've got the teams ready. Here we go. So, the. Eight teams that I will be choosing from. It feels like the Bachelor right now. I really do. It feels like I'm. It feels like I'm on the Bachelor right now. But there are eight different choices, eight different teams that I could choose to be my new favorite team. One could be eliminated in a couple of weeks. I will explain that further in just a moment. But I've narrowed it down to eight, which is the fourth of the league. 
These teams are, no drum roll this time, these teams are the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Tennessee Titans, the Los Angeles Rams, the Seattle Seahawks, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Carolina Panthers, and finally, the San Francisco 49ers. These eight teams are in the mix to be my new favorite team. I have not. It's, it's been, listen, a free agent fan, folks, it has its place. It's nice for a while. But part of the joys of being a fan is you get to feel the jubilation when your team wins and the heartbreak when your team loses. I feel that when my Red Sox win or lose or when my Warriors win or lose or when my Tennessee Vols win or lose. I don't feel that when the Cowboys lose because I'm not a Cowboys fan. It doesn't have that. Well, it sucks when Dak loses, but it doesn't have that same feeling. It's about time it does. So I'll list the teams again. The Ravens, Steelers, the Titans, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Chargers, the Panthers, and the 49ers. You ask why these eight teams? What these eight teams have in common is at least one of two things. Great ownership and or a great general manager. That's the key to me. Part of the reason I cut ties with being a Cowboys fan is because the owner. Matter of fact, it was the number one reason. As we all know, Jerry Jones, great of a businessman as he is, uh, that guy is not keen on winning the way that most owners do in today's NFL time, which is step back, hire a GM, a competent GM, let him make the football decisions. Let the coach, head coach, make the football decisions. But no, Jerry's got to be involved in these, and not to mention the numerous, and I do mean numerous, post-game interviews, midweek interviews. He's involved in coaches' meetings. That's not the case in Baltimore or in Pittsburgh or in Tennessee or at the Rams or at the Chargers or the Seahawks or the Niners or the Panthers. I either like the owner, like the general manager, or both. In the cases of both, Pittsburgh, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Niners. Yeah, it's where the, 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 yeah those, those teams, I like the owner and the GM. The Niners are out of the mix if they win the Super Bowl. Because that would, by definition, make me a bandwagon fan. But I've, I've been a Niners admirer on this show for some time. I think they're as talented as any team in the league. I've been saying this for years. Years. I love Kyle Shanahan. I love the ownership group. I am a huge John Lynch fan as a general manager and as a player, by the way. He's an all-time great safety, Hall of Famer. But one of these eight teams will be the new team. I'll, I'll elaborate more than I am now because we're kind of running out of time for each of these. Uh, Grady says, so I'm guessing you're choosing the Texans. I am definitely not choosing the Texans, no. Uh, Barry says, how about the Jets? Absolutely not. Uh, he says, Titans would make sense. It would. I live in Tennessee. I live in Tennessee, so that could make sense. Uh, he says, if you become a Niners fan, you are dead to me. No. It was fun while it lasted, I guess, right, Barry? 
Uh, Grace says, dude, if you become a Panthers fan, come to Charlotte next year and we can go to a home game together. If I choose the Panthers, you, hey, I'll be there. Name a time, whenever the Panthers play a home game, I'll be there. And he says, did you think about going to the Cowboys? What do you think? Not a chance. And for the record, and I said this on Monday's show, there's not many fan bases, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, because I used to be one. I used to be one. There's not many fan bases I respect more than Cowboys fans. To put up what they put with what they put up with year after year after year, playoff heartbreaks, awful management at the top of the organization, and yet they still show that same passion, fire, and love to the Cowboys. I got nothing bad to say. They're one of those fan bases I love. I don't love Cowboys fans as much as I do Bills fans, but I love Cowboys fans. They're great. I, I, I mean that. They're awesome. But yep, that was my special announcement. That's why I say it. it'll impact my personal life because, and, and this, again, it, it feels, it almost feels like a marriage because if I make this commitment, it's going to be for the rest of my life. I am going to be a fan of one of these teams till death do us part. That's why the Cowboys are not in there. I can't be married to the Cowboys till death do us part. I, I'll, I'll, no, it'll cut my life in half if I do that. I, I don't, I don't want to do, do that. So yeah, there you go. Either the owner or the general manager, that determines it. Why? Because if, you, if you're bad at either or both, oh, you're screwed. You are screwed. So there you go. With that said, wait, we got a comment. Uh, I, fi I figured out this reaction, Barry. It's about time. It, you know what? It is about time. You, you are right. You are right. And by the way, for the record, am I still going to be wearing the DAC hat? You bet you'll be wearing the DAC hat. The DAC hat is not going to be retired. Am I still going to be pulling for DAC to be freed to an organization that believes in developing him and putting the talent around him? Of course. Do I believe that a team will at some point acquire DAC, give him something better than Kellen Moore? Sure. It's just not going to be the case for the next two years. I'll be still pulling for Dak Prescott. Make no mistake about it. Just like I pull for Derek Carr. Just like I pull for Derek Carr. So there you go. With that, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving It Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, on YouTube, and on Twitter. Also be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. We really appreciate it. And hit the notification bell anytime I put a new video, go live, YouTube short, whatever the case may be. And uh, very important, uh, please be sure to go subscribe to the GRID Podcast Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the GRID Network. I'm a part of this incredible network on YouTube. You can also listen to the show on the GRID Network, G-R-Y-D, on the GRID Network, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, as well as wherever you get your podcast. Please go check it out. So, uh, and I've got the grid hat on today. So, got to rep the brand. Got to rep the brand. Loaded show. Like I said, I will be making a very important decision over the next few months about who my team will be. I haven't quite put a cutoff date yet. Preferably before the draft. Preferably. I'd, I'd like to have a little bit of my, my team's gear going into the draft to rep it because I'm sure we'll be doing something involving a draft show, uh, which I look forward to. But, yeah. There you go. So hope everybody has a great evening. See y'all tomorrow. Please continue to stay safe. Please be sure to take care of your physical and your mental health. God bless you all. Peace out.
Big decision, man. It's a big decision. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.